you. All right, so you should all have a, a folder, correct? Because um, you know what we're going to do. You should also have received today's worksheet. Um, and we'll, on the back are the discussion questions. But as you know, we are talking about this is how I fight my battles. And I would love to tell you that um, life is battle-free, but I think you all know that it is not. So though we don't expect or pray for battles, uh, I dare say that we all have some, maybe even today. But um, just to go through your booklet real quickly, all the session and the dates are listed on the greetings page there. Podcasts are available. Um, and if you turn the page, we are going to read, I am an impact woman. These are truths based on the word of God. This is how God sees you and how God wants you to see yourself. So are you ready? Yes. No, you're not. Are you ready yes. to read this together? Mean it. Receive it. Speak it into the atmosphere because the devil needs to know you mean business today. Amen? That's maybe one way we can fight a battle today. So, I, and, and I do warn you, if you don't do it with passion, I will stop you. Okay, just so you know. No, I insist. All right. And God loves it. Here we go. Let's say it all together, ladies. I am an impact woman. I am a woman of influence. I leave the thumbprint of God everywhere I go. I have been impacted by the word of truth, and I will never be the same. I know who I am. I know whose I am. I belong to my father, the king of kings. I am his princess, treasured and precious. I belong to the sisterhood of believers in Jesus Christ. I operate in a spirit of wisdom and revelation through the Holy Spirit. I hear the voice of the Holy Spirit and the voice of a stranger I do not follow. I pick up the sword of the Spirit and do battle in the heavenlies through prayer. I am a woman of courageous faith. My hope and confidence is in the Lord. Therefore, I will not be shaken. I am empowered by grace to love deeply because I am deeply loved. I am empowered by grace to forgive readily because I have been forgiven much. I am empowered by grace to boldly proclaim that I am the righteousness of God in Jesus. I no longer live for God, but live from God. When I speak, the law of kindness is on my tongue. I am strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. I love fiercely because I am fiercely loved. The battle is the Lord's, but the victory is mine. I can do all things through Christ who empowers me. I am fierce but feminine. I am an impact woman. And if you can agree with that, let's give God praise. Amen. All right. So today we're going to continue session two of this is how I fight my battles. And at the top of your page there should say, got the wrong one. Here we go. <laughs> it says, position, stand, and see. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you that you have brought us here together today. I know that you have a word for each one of us here, and I know that you have given us ears to hear. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that today we receive truth. And when we receive truth through the revelation of your Holy Spirit, it truly sets us free. And I speak to every fear. I speak to every worry. I speak to stress. I speak to battles in our mind. In the name of Jesus, you will bow your knee today. And in its place, we will build a new stronghold of the word of God that will empower, that will free us and bring us to a new place of peace. Peace with you and peace in our lives. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen, amen. I can tell you what my battle was this morning. I thought I had my outfit all picked out. And then to find out, when I put it all together, I was like, oh, 
what was I thinking? It didn't match. I'm matchy-matchy. I know some people are, but I'm just matchy-matchy. What I thought was going to work did not. So I have a pile this deep on my bed, and my husband's going to say, what were you doing this morning? I said, going through everything in my closet. So, but here's, here was the greater battle. As I prepared this message, I just want to be transparent with you. There was such a battle raging. And when there's a battle raging, the, the accuser comes against you and says, that's not good. That's not going to minister to anybody. Oh, and here's, here's the biggest kicker. Who do you think you are to speak to these ladies about this? Especially because you're dealing with that and you're dealing with that. Oh, I have learned to recognize that voice. And I guess what I want to say is the battle, it'll never go away. But see, I used to bow my knee to that. And I had to work through that. And I don't know, a spirit of fear kind of wanted to come and, oh, you're going to get nervous and you're going to forget. I said, no, here's how I'm going to fight my battle this morning. I believe God has a specific word for each one of us here. I truly do. Because when the battle rages, the devil is trying to get in the way. And here's what I heard the Holy Spirit say. He said, he said Karen, you know my voice. The voice of a stranger, the accuser of the brethren, you know not to listen to. And here's what he said. He said, go, go, go. All right, so I've been released to go this morning, all right? So I hope I don't run over you, but will you go with me is my question. All right. I believe this is, this is what the Holy Spirit has for us today. I want to tell you a story about the elephant, though. Um, one of my favorite examples is, uh, um, this is true because I found it on the internet, um, <laughs> that, say, in the circus, when they have a baby elephant, they literally, they, they put a great big heavy chain and a very deep stake in the ground. And that little baby elephant learns, if he tries to move, he's not going anywhere. He is chained to the ground. He is being held captive by that very heavy chain. But what is true is that the trainer, as that elephant grows, they actually put a lighter and lighter chain around his ankle and a, a smaller and smaller stake in the ground to the point that when that grown elephant uh, is full grown, they may have just a light rope and a little stick in the ground, and that elephant will not try to escape. Can that elephant move one little uh, time and be free to run? Absolutely. But he has been trained to believe that he is being held captive. Can I just say, ladies, the devil wants you to think that you are chained to your problems, that you are chained to your past, that you will never be free, that this is just your normal. Well, Ladies, I have good news. He has empowered you to break free. In fact, you have already been set free. You are already free because Jesus already did the work. Jesus already did the work. And some of you need to look down at what you thought would never change, what you thought was your normal, and God wants to give you a new normal today, and it's all about freedom. It was for freedom that Christ set us free. And let me just say, he paid so great a price. Will you move today into a new place of freedom? Because he's already purchased it for you. So we're going to be good elephants today. We're going to be open with our hearts so that we can pull up stakes and move forward into the truth that it was for freedom that Christ has truly set you free Today, right now, actually 2,000 years ago, he did the work. And then he sat down and he said, it is finished so we could walk in newness of life. Amen? Amen. The last PowerPoint in our session uh, last time, you don't need to really refer to that, but I want to kind of use that to launch into today's message. And it was uh, actually number eight. And we said, some battles God fights for you. And some battles, God fights through you. And so we're going to kind of look at two um, Old Testament examples where God fought 
four. And then we're also going to find out, well, what's my part when God is fighting my battles for me? All right. So we're going to start out in 2 Chronicles 20. Anybody read that lately? Not the book of the Bible that I tend to turn to, but there's some amazing, amazing truth there. And we're going to be talking about King Jehoshaphat. <clears throat> I found that I spelled that about four different ways, so I'm not even sure what's correct, but we might even call him King J. I don't know. But King Jehoshaphat was a good king. If you read through the chronicles of the, of the uh, Hebrew people, they had a series of kings, uh, first judges and then the kings. Some of them led the people to idol worship. Some of them were not godly kings. Well, Jehoshaphat actually was a godly king, and he's noted for um, tearing down idol worship in the kingdom. At this time, Israel was actually divided. It was a split kingdom, um, and he was actually the king over Judah. But we find that uh, he finds himself in a very impossible situation. Lost my water. Here we go. That did not sound good. Sorry. Okay. Three armies have converged against um, Israel. And though Israel may have been a mighty army, they were grossly outnumbered. And, um, in fact, it was the attack of the ites. They were the Moabites, the Ammonites, and the Meunites. And it's like, yikes, it's the ites. Okay, they're coming after Israel, and they know that they have allied together to overcome. And the numbers showed that uh, the, the Israelites were grossly outnumbered. And you know what? There are times in our own lives when it seems like everything is coming at you from every direction. I remember standing in a prayer line, sniffling and sharing with Pastor Duane, who was praying for everybody. And I said, oh, everything's going wrong. My refrigerator's not working, and the vacuum cleaner stopped working. And when I was driving down the road, my muffler fell off. But it was really getting me down. Oh, yeah, my husband was out of town, and he can't help me. Oh, yeah, and the sewer backed. Everything was coming at me at once. And I was supposed to be this strong person, and I'm crying at the altar. It's okay. We all have those moments, don't we? But sometimes life kind of comes at you from different fronts. It could be your marriage. It could be your kids. It could be your finances. It could be your refrigerator. I don't know. But when faced with a problem or challenge, we tend to ask ourselves, what am I going to do about it. Or other people say, well, what are you going to do? Well, I want to challenge you. Don't become your own source. Look to the source himself. Our own ideas and our own wisdom is very limited. And I'm going to challenge you today to look beyond our own limitations to the God who has no limitations and is full of his goodness and his wisdom. But in the natural, what you could see, what they heard, all of their senses were giving them the message, you're done, you're toast, you're all going to die. But instead of looking inward for wisdom, instead of looking inward for the answers, Jehoshaphat looked upward. And he gathered all the people together. And he turned to God, and this was his prayer. Second Chronicles 20, 12, he says, Oh our God, will you not judge them? They were the enemies of God's chosen people. For we have no power against this great multitude. It's okay to admit our weakness. In fact, that was the beginning of where God could step in. He says, we can't do this. He said, this great multitude that is coming against us, nor do we know what to do. He's the king. He's supposed to know what to do. But he turned his eyes upward, and I love this last part. He says, but our eyes are upon you. Worksheet question number one. We don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. And make sure that capital, that you has a capital Y, because our eyes are on God, our source of help. 
Their physical eyes were seeing the multitudes of the enemies. Their minds were telling them, this is impossible. Give up. Surrender. You're surely going to die. Their ears heard the bad news, and their hearts were feeling afraid. Everything in the natural was screaming at them for defeat. But instead of focusing on the bad news, they focused on God. Instead of becoming paralyzed with fear, King Jehoshaphat made a choice, and he, only, he focused only on the one who specializes in the impossible. He says, God, there is no way out of this unless you come to save us. In the midst of trial and trouble, where are we looking? What are you listening to? What are you seeing? What are you feeling? Take inventory. And let me just say, you are very, very powerful. In this way, you are powerful because you were created in the image of God. And in that, he gave us a choice. He gave you the ability to choose. And we normally call it free will. And free will can get you in trouble or it can get you out of trouble. Because you can make a choice to listen to your fears, to allow the circumstances to overwhelm you. Or you can make a choice to look up. You get to choose. You get to respond. And what happens often after we respond and respond and respond to the same triggers and the same messages that the devil wants to scream at you, we, be, we, be, we become <laughs> kind of uh, programmed like a computer. We have a default setting. And you might immediately feel fear because it always worked. You say, oh, that's just me. No, it's not. Because God has not given you a spirit of fear. But he has given you power knowing his love, which casts out all fear, in a sound mind. Ah, we're going to talk more about that. But there were years where fear was my default setting. And I just thought it was very common, you know, this is who I am. Maybe it's the way I raise. I don't know. I had all kinds of reasons. But I, at one point, it became such an issue in my life, it had gotten to the point where it was a very strong hold. I would be gripped with fear to the core of who I was to the point where one day I said it would just be easier and safer if I gathered my kids and just never left the house. Now, when I heard myself say that, I went, okay, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. This has gone too far. Because, see, you don't let that accelerate and progress in your life. We need to take authority over it. And the good news is we do have authority over spirit. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start preaching next time's lesson because if I get going here, because I so want our women, you here today to know that you do not have to settle for something less than Jesus purchased so great a price for you to enjoy. And fear is not one of those things that Jesus wants you to experience. So when we take authority over those things, we overcome it because now I'm looking to my new source. And our eyes have to be in the right place. You're going to have to ignore all the things going on out here, all the things that happened in the past, the spirit of fear. Uh, here's a really good definition. Fear, and I got this from Jimmy Evans, and I think it's amazing. Fear is a negative prophet spirit sent to give you a negative report about your future. <laughs> That's somebody's phone. That's way too cute. Fear is a negative prophet spirit sent to give you a negative report about your future. And had Jehoshaphat given into a spirit of fear, they would have all died. I really believe that. But instead, he looked up. Let's continue our story. All of Judah was assembled with wives and children looking up to God as their source of help and protection. And then the Spirit of the Lord came upon a guy called Jehaziel. Anybody name their kid Jehaziel? Okay, probably not the most popular J name. But see what God's doing? They turned to him, and now he's speaking to them through a prophet. And this is what they got. They got a word from the Lord. When you need help, get a word from the Lord. He is not going to lie to you. He's got strategies and he's got plans. He's going to tell you what to do. And you might be surprised because maybe it's not do. Maybe it's just listen. But let's go on from here. The Spirit of the Lord came upon Jehaziel. 
And he gave a word that gave them encouragement, comfort, edification, and direction. And he said, hearken all of Judah, you inhabitants of Jerusalem, and you, King Jehoshaphat. I like that. Jesus, God is speaking right to the king. The Lord says this to you. Be not afraid or dismayed at this great multitude, for the battle is not yours, but God's. Now, that was like a huge relief because God told them what was going to happen because he knows the end from the beginning. So go to worksheet question number two. When faced with a problem or challenge, remember these five words. The battle is the Lord's. The battle is the Lord's. Give you a moment. We think it's our battle. We think that we have to figure this all out. But see, sometimes God fights our battles for us, and sometimes he fights our battles through us because the next thing that came through the word of encouragement was do not be afraid or dismayed because of this great multitude, for the battle is not yours but God's. And then he said, you will not need to fight in this battle. Now, they don't have to fight, but this is what they do need to do. He gave them three pieces of instruction. And he said, position yourselves, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord. This is our part when we fight our battles, ladies. Worksheet question number three. Position yourselves. Your position is a position of faith and trust. I'm going to take a position because, God, you are telling me I am poised for victory. And our position is a front row seat to watch God work. All right? The next thing he said, position yourselves, stand still. Okay, when danger is all around us, I want to run. But he said, don't run, stand. Stand. Keep standing. The word says, having done all that you know to do in your spiritual life, just keep standing. Don't run. Don't flee. Who's supposed to be running from who, right? I love to say that. Because the Bible says when we're submitted to God, when we resist the devil, he's supposed to be running from you. But he wants to see if you're going to run or if he has to run. So you need to take your stand. And you just give him the eye. I'm not moving. I will not be shaken. I'm not looking for my salvation over here. I'm not calling on my girlfriends this time. God, my eyes are on you. So he says, position yourselves. We're still on number three. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. If they were using their natural sight, they would have been completely frightened out of their minds. But they chose to see the salvation of the Lord. Do you remember the verse found in Psalm 46? Be still and know that I am God. That means, shh. Sometimes the, the climate in our insides is like a hurricane. And, and I mean, sometimes we're Hurry, hurry here, and hurry, hurry there, and worry, worry here, and worry, worry there. And on the outside, we kind of, yeah, everything's fine. But the inside is just ooh, 100 miles an hour. And I just want to encourage you this morning, shh, be still. Can we just take a moment? Just take a moment. All that swirling and whirling on the inside of us, just be Still, And you know how we can be still when we know that God is God. Another version of this same verse says, let go and let God be God, for goodness sake. Goodness sake is mine. But <laughs> can we just do that? Just for a moment, close your eyes and be still before the Lord. Let the wind calm down. The storm stop raging.
Father God, we just invite you to bring that stillness inside. Because we trusted you. Right now, we let go of worries. We let go of stress. We let go of, of what seemed impossible. And we let you be who you are. In Jesus' name. Amen. So we can all go home, right? <laughs> Praise God. Actually, that stillness is what we just experienced. But the command is like this. Snap out of it. Wake up and stop fearing. If you look in the original Hebrew there. All right, so what are we going to do next time we're faced with a battle and feeling overwhelmed and we don't know what to do? Position yourself in faith. Stand still. And see the salvation of the Lord. And he will fight your battles. And what Jehoshaphat did next is so awesome. Because God didn't tell him to do this, but this is what he did. He put the singers and the worshipers in the front. Now, they didn't suit up. They didn't grab their weapons because they weren't supposed to fight the battle. But when they, when they marched to the enemy's camp, they found the Lord had gone ahead and won a great battle that day. And, I mean... Only God can make this happen. They fought each other because there was a spirit of confusion that came upon the enemy's camp, and they all killed each other. My question is, what happened to the last guy standing? <laughs> I don't know. But it was a great and mighty victory that day. But let me just say that worship is also a sign that we're looking to you. So worship through your battles, ladies. While you're standing and positioning yourself and watching and seeing God fight your battle, worship him. It will keep your eyes on the help, the rescue, and the only source who can do that for us. I had a friend who called me years, years ago, and she was kind of upset. She was stressed, and she said, Karen, I just don't know what to do. She goes, we just found out that her husband had been diagnosed with a malignant melanoma. And um, it was a total shock. So they were still dealing with the news. And she goes, here's my, my issue, though, that I, I feel obligated to tell our family what's going on. But I don't want to hear all this doubt and unbelief and how Aunt Martha died from such and such. And I just, I just don't know what to do. And I was, I was just... Like, I don't know either. Um, so I just asked the Holy Spirit, Lord, what is it that you want her to know? And this is what he said. Don't say a word until you strengthen your position. And that meant something to her. She says, okay, I'm going to go to the word of God. And I'm going to get so grounded and founded that I don't care what kind of doubt and unbelief anybody speaks. We're going to keep our eyes on our healer, Jesus Christ. So strengthen your position. Through the word of God. So when you need help, get a word from the Lord, and he will give you a strategy. Another quick story. Do I have time for stories today? Okay. <laughs> um, as, you, as many of you know, I, I love to share this story because um, 12 years ago, I started a business um, called We Love Music, W-E-E -E for the Little Ones, and developed a curriculum to, uh, uh, for music programs that we bring to area daycares. Well, it started very small, and for the first year and a half, I didn't even have much curriculum, but I had three daycares that I saw um, once a week, and I worked really, really hard. I mean, it was like, you know, when you're building a business from the ground up, I didn't have a model. I didn't have uh, really anything to pattern what I was doing. I was developing, learning as I went, making some really interesting mistakes, but learning from my mistakes, getting a, a way of teaching music that I had taught for over 30 years to um, you know, older children and adults down to a two and a three and a four-year-old level. And what I thought they were going to love tanked. The things that I thought were stupid, they loved. So I had to learn. Okay, I'm getting this. I'm getting this. So I worked really hard. One and a half years, three very small daycares. And after, after that, after one and a half years, two out of three dropped me. And I went, Ugh. I was ticked because I thought I worked so hard. And they just said, Karen, we love your program. We love you, but we're just so tired of people not paying for the music class. And we don't want to be collectors anymore. And so sorry, we're just done. 
And I'm like, oh, Lord. And I was mad at God. I said, why did you bring me to this place? Because it came forth through a lot of prayer and prayed through a lot of issues and, and um, just worked super hard. And I said, oh, I was done. That's it. I'm not wasting my time. I'm going to go get a Go get a job at Kohl's and work weekends. I don't care anymore. And if you work at Kohl's, praise God. But I knew what God had asked me to do. And I think, that just stinks. I was just really mad. And I threw in the towel. But then I got still. And I heard the Holy Spirit say, Karen, you can quit if you want to. But it would be a shame if you quit now. Now I'm ticked again because I said, oh, great. So now I have to work through this and find out what you want me to do. And so I had to swallow my pride and say, okay, maybe there's something that I've been doing that doesn't quite work here. So what was their main complaint? So he showed me how to restructure the way that I was being paid because I didn't do it for free. This was my business. And I had the lesson plans. I said they liked that. But then I said, well, where do I go? And he said, call the larger corporations. And I went, no, because I don't know how, I don't want to talk to somebody in California that's supposed to be making this. I just didn't know where to start. Well, you start with A. <laughs> and I don't, without saying the names uh, of the uh, daycares that we ended up going to, I called one of them only to find out. And Okay, and here's the other thing. God gave me the marketing plan. Here comes the plan and the strategy. First, I got a word from the Lord. Yep, you can quit if you want to. But I had this inkling that he had a better plan. Okay, so here came the plan. He says, this is how you'll market it. You call these daycares. You say, hi, my name is Karen Waldhard. I have a, a music program curriculum that I'd love to show you, and I would love to give you a free hour of my time. And so... Uh, you can invite a couple of classes in, make sure your teachers are there, and you let me know if you like it, because I would love to bring this music curriculum to your, um, your learning center. And none of them said no. And so I demonstrated, I sowed a seed. Isn't that God's way? And so when I sowed that seed, what happened was, since they were a corporation, since one daycare wanted my program, two daycares wanted my program, the third one wanted my day daycare program. Now they all wanted my daycare, my, my music program. And we are now currently in 13 daycares. Ten years later, I have four employees. Amy is one of them. And we see over 1,000 kids a month. I could have quit. And God said, you can quit if you want to. But he had a strategy and he had a plan. And it was better than mine. Go figure. And it worked. And we can even, in most of our daycares, talk to them about Jesus. And so as long as that door is open, as long as that window is there, we're, we're going to take advantage of it. There have been times when I thought it was going to close, and I had uh, the director come to me and say, Karen, I'm so sorry, but there's one family really complaining about, you know, those Christian songs that you do. And we don't do 100%. And I said, I thought the next thing she was going to say is, can you just not do that anymore? She says, so this is what I told the, the parents. Um, that's, uh, we understand and we respect that. So when Miss Karen, that's me, uh, does Bible verses, we'll just ask your daughters, two of them, to go to another class. So they let us keep doing what God is showing us to do. Oh, and then this is the best part. So then the parents decided, well, we'll let our daughters decide if they want to or not. And guess who wants to be in our class when we're doing... Bible verses, and came to the Christmas program and saying, joy to the world, the Lord has come. So um, this is how we fight our battles, amen? All right. Get a plan and strategy from the Lord, because guess what? It'll work. It will succeed. Second, oh, and so that's what happened at the end of our story with Jehoshaphat. A couple of quick scriptures I'm going to throw at you to underscore what we just said. Second Thessalonians 3.3. 3. You know I love the Amplified Bible, and it says, but the Lord is faithful. You have to believe in the faithfulness of God, and he will strengthen you, setting you on a firm foundation, and will protect and guard you from the evil one. Do we have anything to worry? 
You are not in charge of your own protection. Amen? Psalm 34, 19 says, Many hardships and perplexing circumstances confront the righteous. Thank you very much. <laughs> it's true, though. But the Lord rescues him from them all. Romans 8, 31. If God is for us, who can ever be against us? I don't care what it looks like. If God is for you, he is the majority. He overrules and he will overwhelm the enemy. But the Lord, oh, I love this next part. It says, but the Lord is with me like a fearsome warrior. Fearsome warrior. God is fighting for you. All right. That's the first Old Testament story. Let's go on to the second one. We're going to look at the children of Israel and Moses and how they fought their battles. We're going to be reading a lot from Exodus 14. And the Lord said to Moses, and I love how many times the Lord talks to Moses just like this. He, uh, okay, back, background. They've already left uh, Egypt. They were liberated from their slavery. They are now wandering in the wilderness not really wandering because there's a cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. The presence of the Lord is with them, leading them, guiding them. And now they come to the Red Sea. And there are some things that begin to happen here. They find out that Pharaoh has changed his mind. Now he wants all the slaves back. It's like, what were we thinking? Now we have nobody to build our pyramids. Oh, no. What are we to do? And so God gives Moses some amazing instructions. He says, okay, Moses, here's the plan. He says, we're going to make a strategic maneuver here. You lead the people to the Red Sea. And I'm going to harden Pharaoh's heart. And he's coming after you. But don't worry. I'm going to tell you what to do. Because I have promised you the promised land, and I will defend and protect you, and I will get you there safely, but you've got to trust in me. So what happens? It takes faith to listen to the plan. And here comes Pharaoh. It says he took 600 chosen chariots and all the other chariots in Egypt with all the officers over them, and they began marching on to the Israelites. What do you think that looked like? What do you think that sounded like? I think the whole earth was pounding with this multitude that was coming strong and hard after the children of Israel. And when Pharaoh drew near, it says the Israelites looked up. Okay, here we are again, looking, looking, right? It's all about what we see. And they're, uh, uh, I, I can't fault them for this, but they were afraid. And they saw them, mar the Egyptians marching. They saw the chariots. They heard it. They felt it. And they were afraid, exceedingly frightened. And they said to Moses, is this the plan? You brought us out here to die in the wilderness. We'd rather be making bricks and working as slaves. Isn't that interesting? Don't we go back to what's familiar when we're afraid? But see, we need to trust that God's got a strategy and a plan that's better than slavery. That's better being chained and staked to the ground if you're willing to give him a chance and listen to his wisdom and his goodness. And so here they are. Moses tells the people. Worksheet question number four. Three things. Fear not. You're going to hear some familiar words here. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord today. Fear not. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord today. Don't you think they were tempted to run and scatter? Run for your lives. Here they come. They would have all been killed. It didn't make sense. Stand still. What do you mean stand still? But the first one's very important too. Don't be afraid. Fear not. And it seemed like Moses had backed them into a corner, but Moses just did what God told him to. In front of them was the sea, Red Sea. Behind them was the advancing army, and they literally were trapped, except for the God who specializes in the impossible. And you know the story, but it's so amazing. Here's what fear not means. Stand still. Oh, in, in the uh, uh, Amplified, it amplifies that for us. It says, stand still, firm, confident, 
undismayed and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will work today. And then Moses actually adds a prophetic word. For the Egyptians you have seen today, you shall never see again. God didn't say that <laughs> in the original uh, thing that, uh, that God instructed for Moses to do. But Moses uh, was pro prophesying over what was about to happen, what God was about to do. So fear is designed to get your eyes off of Jesus looking up and start to look inward again for that source of help. And here's, here's the kicker. Verse 14, it says, the Lord will fight for you, and you shall hold your peace and remain at rest. That's number five, isn't it? <laughs> the Lord will fight for you. My part is to hold my peace and remain at rest. I need two volunteers, two ladies who would love to come up. It's not Rachel because she's holding the baby. <laughs> Can I have two volunteers? All right, come on up. All right. I have here my faith pillow, which when I sit in my office, I just hold like this. I hold on to my faith. And then this pillow says peace. All right. I'm going to, okay. I am Jesus, not really. I am Jesus in this illustration. And, um, I'm going to give you my peace, okay? Um, this isn't the kind of peace that you're going to find um, in the world. The world can't give you this peace. And I was never, as Jesus, affected by what was going on around me because I only had my eyes on my heavenly Father. And so this is the peace, and I want you to have it. Will you, will you hold this candy? Yes. Okay. Um, don't let go of that peace. Will you hold that? I will. Okay. But see, it was my piece, and now it's yours. Okay. Okay. Don't let anybody take it from you, okay? All right. And um, this actually is rest, okay? When you have faith in God, it allows you to just rest, even though there might be a storm raging. So, Tracy, would you just rest on that pillow? Just, yeah, go ahead and put your hand. There you go. Shh. Okay. We're, we're going to be still and trust that God is God. But uh-oh, uh-oh, trouble's brewing. Now I'm the devil. <laughs> okay. That situation, you should worry some more. That's your job, you know. Worry, worry, worry. What are you going to do if he doesn't do that? What if he never changes? What if this situation, what if you're going, and I'm wrestling away from you. Okay, what if, what if you can't do anything? Who do you think you are? Okay. All right, and the whole time you're going, you're looking over here while I'm fighting with her. Okay, you okay? Okay, pick your hat. There we go. Okay, I'm trying to get your peace away from you. This is worry. This is stress. This is depression. This is, this is never going to change. Get your, rest, rest. Shh, there you go. Okay, all right. No, I'm coming back at you. I'm attacking you. I want you to give me that peace. Give me that peace. You can't have that peace. God doesn't give peace. He only gives you trouble. He doesn't love you. Down, 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 down. Okay. Okay. Very silly. She's strong. Very strong. Okay. Worry and stress wants to steal your peace. But she hung on to her peace. That's your choice and that's your part. And that will help you to remain at rest. Even in the midst of a, st of a storm. Who fell asleep in the boat when the disciples thought they were going to die? Jesus did. Why? Because that's the kind of peace he has that gives you this kind of rest. Amen. Thank you, girls. <laughs> All right. She wants to keep her peace. <laughs> good, good. Because the very next part that I want you to go to um, in the worksheet is number six. I already quoted it, but let's tear this apart again and receive the truth from it. John 14, 27 Jesus is speaking his peace. I leave with you girls. This is one of the last things that Jesus said to his disciples. He says, I'm going away. They go, what? Where are you going? Why can't we go there? He says, shh. Peace. He says, peace. I leave with you. And the first blank says, my 
perfect peace. I give to you. I gave that to Candy. And what was Jesus' peace has now become your peace. And Moses says, hold your peace. We took that very literally. But you have to determine that nothing is going to steal, kill, or destroy the peace that Jesus left for you. It's his peace, and now it's yours if you will hold your peace. Not as the world gives. You are not going to find peace anywhere else. Don't you wait for that person to change. Don't you wait for things to get better. Don't you wait for this and that and that before you think you can have peace. That's as the world gives. We're talking about the outward things. I'm talking about the inward place of peace. The next part says, do not let your heart be troubled, nor let it be afraid. Now, that's easy. L-E-T. That goes back to you get to choose. You are powerful, equipped by God. Not powerful because we in and of our own power can do this. This is, this is the heritage of, the, of, of those who have Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, that you have the ability to let your heart not be troubled, nor let it be afraid. You can say no to stress. You can say no to worry, you're going to say no to fear and choose to look up. And I love this last part. Let my perfect peace calm you in every circumstance and give you courage and strength for every challenge. How many of you need courage and strength today? Let it come. It is yours. Don't let anything else steal that from you let it calm you in every circumstance and give you courage and strength for every challenge moses told the people hold your peace and i took that very literally i'm hanging on sometimes for dear life but i'm choosing to hold my peace and remain at rest okay we're going to have to finish here. Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Do not fret or have any anxiety about anything, but in every circumstance and in everything by prayer and petition. With thanksgiving, continue to make your wants known to God. Pray through. And God's peace shall be yours. God's peace is yours. Again, it's not my peace. I can't manufacture peace. The world can't give me that kind of peace. But it's God's peace shall be mine. That tranquil state of a soul assured of its salvation through Christ. And so fearing nothing from God and being content with its earthly lot of whatever sort that is, that peace. That's in the Amplified. That's pretty cool, isn't it? Amplified Classic. And it transcends all understanding. And here's what will happen as a result of turning to God and receiving his peace, no matter what the situation looks like, no matter what it sounds like, no matter what it tastes like, no matter what it looks like. I'm not putting my eyes in that direction. That peace will mount guard over your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. It is a picture of your heart, which is your core belief, where, where you can allow fear to enter or you can allow your mind to go crazy. But picture this. God will post a guard shoulder to shoulder, standing outward, armed to defend your heart. He will guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. So that's where we look for true peace. Very quickly, we need to finish our story. <laughs> so the people are frightened. Egypt is coming. Moses speaks encouragement to the people. Then I love what God says next to Moses. The Lord says, why are you crying to me? Get going. He says, once you get your marching orders, get going. Move. He says, you know what to do? Go. Move. First he says, stand still, stand still, stand still. Now he says, it's time to move, move, move. Don't move until you get your marching orders, and don't move until he tells you to. And you can move in the peace of God. And what happens is God provides supernatural protection. Here comes the army. But that same cloud that was always leading them, which is um, Jesus Christ himself, came between the army of Egypt and the children of Israel. And to the army of Egypt, it was black darkness. And to the children of Israel, it was light and 
rescue, wasn't it? Because that's when um, Moses was instructed to raise the rod, the seas parted, the fire was burning all night long to give them a chance to get across. They could see where they were going. They went across all night long because there were lots and lots and lots and lots of people, so it took some time. And then when the children of Israel were safe on the other side, God moved the, the fiery cloud, and the Egyptians says, okay. They charged, and of course, it was like waiting to see the whites of their eyes to fire. God waited till the whole army of Egypt was in the dry place of, that, um, of the Red Sea, and then they were completely drowned, decimated, defeated that day. Only God. Only God could do that. There was no way that Moses knew the end from the beginning. He didn't know how God was going to get them across the Red Sea. He thought maybe, well, we're all going to just walk on water today. I don't know. But as they, as they took the next step and the next step and did what God told them to do, God was able to fulfill his plan, his way, rescue them in what was a totally impossible way in the natural, but miraculously save his people. And that's what God wants to do for you. But it takes faith. Let's finish with this, number seven. First Timothy 1.19 defines faith. The leaning of your entire personality on God in Christ, in absolute trust and confidence in his power, wisdom and goodness power wisdom and goodness ladies this is how we fight our battles amen